Thank you for listening to the Riverbend Church podcast. Riverbend Church exists to lead all people to know, love, and live new life in Jesus Christ. We hope that you enjoy this message. Today we're diving into the final uh, message in our series called Anchor for My Soul. And so we're going to be Hebrews chapter 12 if you want to get there today. But we've talked about the fact that life will bring storms. Nobody here gets to choose whether or not you go through storms. You will go through a storm. You're either in one, you've just come out of one, or guess what? Guess what, big boy? Like it's coming for you. Like it just happens, right? Storms come your way. But here's what this series has taught us, that Jesus is the anchor for our soul, the immovable. Life may beat us around, but by holding on to the promises of God, by trusting in his word, we take new grip at times and go, God, I'm gonna hold on because I know you're anchoring me, not just in this world, but Lord, beyond to heaven forever, you are my soul anchor. And you can tell when people have a soul anchor. It's not that they don't get storms. In fact, sometimes storms seem to be harder on people that have an anchored soul in Christ. But what you see is resilience. What you see is strength that's hard to explain. And so today... The message is about what an anchored life actually looks like. See, at the end of Hebrews here, what happens in chapters 12 and 13, the writer starts giving what I call exhortations. Actually, he or she says exhortation. Exhortations to the church. You know what an exhortation is? It's like when somebody comes along and they slap you around a little bit, but you actually didn't mind it. Like you, They were so good at it. You're like, man, it, didn't, it wasn't that bad. But later on, you think about what they said and you're like, you know, you get, you get mad a little bit. It's kind of the same. Well, that's an exhortation. It corrects you, but it's in a way that it doesn't beat you down. It, it inspires hope. And so as we finish out chapters 12 and 13, here's what I hope. I hope you feel a little beat up. Like, man, I don't like everything he's saying. That's good. But at the same time, you feel like, man, but there's hope that I can do this, that I can live with an anchored soul. I can live this way. So here's the big idea of the message today. An anchored soul in Jesus Christ, where does it show up? As a holy life. An anchored soul in Jesus Christ shows up as a holy life. Anchored soul doesn't stop at your theology. If your theology doesn't make it to your shoes, then I'm worried about what theology you have, what belief about God, and what, what do you really believe about Scripture and about Christ? It doesn't stop at religious affiliation. A soul anchored to Christ, you know how it shows up? It shows up in our shoes, and before service today, I asked several people to bring me some shoes. And I'm actually going to keep this pair because I really like those. So thank you, Lucas. Um, really like those. Those are my, my size, Doug, so I can't steal those. Maybe these. I don't know. These? Yeah. Mark, I heard what you did. So I didn't even ask Mark to bring his shoes up here. He just brought them up to the stage when he saw shoes up here. That's a true story. And so I asked Courtney if I could borrow hers. See, what you have here today is what people wrote in on this morning. How they got to the seats where they are were in these shoes. Do you know what the entire point of this series is? Maybe that you know a little bit more about Hebrews. Praise the Lord. I hope you know more about Christ and hope your relationship is deepened. But do you know what the point is? If you don't put it in these when you go out of here, I've wasted five weeks of my time. And we've wasted our time. If we're not loving people more, if we're not loving people like Jesus, if we're not more generous, if we're not more like Christ, if we're, our life is not at least more holy, as God starts making, here, here's, a, here's a picture of what it actually looks like. And I thought about it. If I could have made one of these for everybody, just to put beside your shoes every morning, 
just to stick it beside your shoes and be reminded, you know what, as I put my shoes on, my anchor's got to move from the sole, internal that nobody sees it, to my shoes. And so I've entitled the message today, Anchor in My Shoes. Read with me here. This is a verse we've already read, but I want to review it here. Here's what the writer of Hebrews says. Take a new grip with your tired hands. And again, sometimes following Christ, we know that he's an anchor that doesn't move. And we know our salvation is secure. But when it comes to actually living it, our hands can get tired. School starting back or maybe a couple months in, sometimes your hands get tired of holding on. And so here's what the writer's saying. You need to take a new grip with your tired hands, the hands that hang down. You need to take a new grip. Strengthen your weak knees. You know what that means? Get a wide stance again. Put your feet on the ground. Anchor your feet. Dig in. Dig in so that you've got traction and you've got a solid foundation. And then he says this. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. What is he saying here? See, when someone comes to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, where you say, God, I don't want to go my own way anymore. I want you to be my boss. I want you to be the Lord of my life. But when I'm at church, when I'm at work, when I'm at home, I have a new Lord, and it's not me. It's you, God. What your word says, what your spirit leads me to do, that I will do. But here's the thing. We have all been set free by Christ to live a holy life, but do you know that it still comes down to a choice to put it in our shoes every day? Righteousness becomes a choice. Jesus has made righteousness available to every person. But we have to decide, as it says here, decide or mark out the path that you're gonna walk on every day. Decide, here's the person I'm gonna be today. When I put my shoes on today, here's the person I'm gonna be. Lucas, I know he's going back to school as a high schooler this year. Lucas, when you put your shoes on, you have to decide, I'm gonna live out my anchor for Christ today. Doug, Douglas Pena, he's here somewhere. This is, these are his shoes. I'll see him before service is over. You put these shoes on every single day. You get an opportunity to say, God, I'm gonna be anchored in my walk today. Rachel, as you put your shoes on, Mark, you ask for it. As you put your shoes on every single day, you gotta decide, what man am I gonna be? Am I gonna be a man that's not only saying that I'm anchored in my soul, but actually live it out today? Scott, one of our elders, asking to put his shoes up here today. Listen, just being an elder, that doesn't make you inherently anything. Struggler just like everybody else. It is a choice to fulfill the call that God has on your life. It's not something that's gonna come natural. You ever wondered, is it natural to be a ministry leader? No, it is a fight, just like everybody else fights. You gotta decide to put your feet in it every day. And then I ask my wife, and I know her story. I know how she anchors herself. But here's what I see every day, her starting her day in the word of God. You know what I think? Every day she's putting her feet anchored before she gets out of the car to go to school or into her day every single day. And so the writer here is going, In Hebrews, there are some specific ways it should look if you have an anchored soul and an anchored life in Christ. Now, before we read this text, I wanna give you the disclaimer. I cannot cover chapters 12 and 13 of Hebrews. And so we're gonna gonna go through staying in context of scripture and I'm not gonna be able to unpack every single verse. So what I'm gonna do is I wanna walk through and give you the exhortations of scripture. And you could actually argue that there are far more than this. Today, I'm gonna give you six exhortations or what it looks like to live an anchored life, to put it in your shoes every day. Now, as you read Hebrews very near the end, one of the last few verses, here's what it says, Hebrews 13, 22. I urge you, dear brothers and sisters, 
Pay attention to what I have written in this brief. Did you catch that? Brief exhortation. Have you read Hebrews? Like we had to subdivide it into 13 chapters and it's like spitting fire. I go, what do you, if this is what you call brief, I would hate to see the long version. It's like when the preacher says, I just got one more point. And you're like, good Lord, that's 30 more minutes right there. You know, that's kind of what he's saying here. He's like, I've written this brief exhortation. Be glad that my hand's tired because I didn't write you the whole thing. If this is brief, good Lord, what would the long version be of what he wanted to say? Because it's so powerful. So, so powerful. As we wrap this up, let me give you six brief, really brief, exhortations for people who aspire to put their anchor in their shoes. One of them is for you, I have no doubt. Here's what he says, verse 14 of chapter 12. He says, work, say this word, work. Work at living in peace with everyone. And here it is again, and work at living a holy life. Now, he's not saying work for your salvation. I'm not claiming that we get to Jesus by being good. Bible establishes that there's no one righteous, not even one. We come just like we are, broken. Every person in this room is broken. Some of us just admit it. But every person is broken. And we come to Jesus broken with nothing to offer. And he gives us his spirit and he accepts us. But now, here's what the writer's saying. Since your soul is anchored in Christ, you gotta work. It is hard work to be a follower of Christ. It's hard work to do anything worthwhile. Work at peace, with, to live at peace with everyone. He says, those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other. Again, that is hard work. So that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. And then here's a really hard work piece. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Can I give you the first anchor in my shoes? What it means here first is this, simply hard work work. What do you mean by that, Joe? There is no shortcut to a holy life. There is no shortcut. We have to work at living at peace with, work in living at peace with everyone. Do you know what? I think during 2020 and all of the division and all the counseling people, we forgot that this was in the Bible. Overall, in general, I'm proud of you guys at Riverbend. We tried to handle ourselves well through all the tensions. We tried to love all people. We try to stay gospel-centered in what we do and stay focused on Christ. But here's the thing. I think that we forgot this in the Bible. We're supposed to work at living at peace with who? Everyone. Wait, wait, wait. You mean the people I don't like or the people that have actually attacked me publicly or the people who have hurt me in my, I'm supposed to work at living in peace. Yeah, it doesn't say you gotta be best friends with everybody. It says that you're supposed to work at living at peace with everyone. Also, it says this, work at living a holy life. Remember, Jesus has set us free from the power of sin. Romans 8, if you wanna write that down and go read that later. Romans chapter eight, it talks about how the spirit of God, when he comes into our life and into our heart, we get a freedom that we've never had before. We can be set free from things that have held us captive forever. But then you have to work at walking that holiness out. It's the hard part, working out your own salvation. What does it look like now to live this new life? Well, it's a battle. So without hard work, do you know what happens when we don't work hard and we put in our, don't put it in our shoes? Old ways come back on us. We drift off course like we don't have an anchor. Old addictions and mental strongholds, they come right back on us. And I'm not talking about over a long period of time. I'm talking about in a day or in an hour or in a few days, they come right back. And here's what he says. If you're not holy, you won't see the Lord. And I thought as I read that, could it be the reason that some are not seeing the manifested presence of God in our life 
is because we're unwilling to do the hard work of stepping into it and going, Jesus, I don't want to just say that I'm good with you so I can go to heaven one day. I want to experience you now. When I put my shoes on today, Lord, I want to see you as I go. I want to see your presence working in and through me as I walk through this life. Could it be that we're not seeing God because we've stopped somewhere we've gotten stalled along the way? And his exhortation is this, listen, pick back up and work towards holiness in your life. Here's what he says, verse 15, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. You know what he's saying here? This is hard work, by the way. Look after somebody else because through your hands, you have the ability to show someone else the grace of God. Inside the church, if we love each other in such a way that we look after each other, when I hear about a need or I hear that somebody is hurting, listen, we have deacons, we have small group leaders, we have a staff that all are part of our care ministry and we try our best to find out what's going on in people's lives. But do you know how it really is supposed to work? It's not biblical to pass off care to that group of people, it's not delegated. Do you know whose responsibility is to care for people? Anybody you know about that's hurting, that's on you. Like once you know, you can't know about everybody in the world and you can't do something for everybody in the world, but you know what you can do? What you know to do. A phone call, a text, a small gift of some kind, stopping by just to check on somebody or giving them a, a word of encouragement or hope. People need that. Don't stop doing that. He said, it's hard work, but look after each other. And then he says this, watch out so that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up in you. So you know what happens when you stop living out your faith and looking for God every day? You'll get cynical. It happens to all of us. It's not old, old thing. You don't have to be old. You don't have to be young. You can be any age and you can become a cynic about church because you got hurt at some point in time. Usually though, if you track it down, you find people that have stopped living out their faith. They stop putting it in their shoes. But he said, you gotta watch out because that bitterness will grow up to trouble you if you don't deal with it. Deal with it. It doesn't say you won't ever deal with bitterness. He just says, don't let it get roots in your life. Now look at this. He says this, verse 16. Make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau. So here's a challenge to holiness again. Now who was Esau? It says he traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single, single meal. And so quick version of the story. You'll find this in the Old Testament, but Jacob was the brother and then Esau. Esau comes in from hunting one day and he's really hungry. And he's so in love with food, I guess. He's a lot like me. I'm probably Esau on the story. He's so in love with food that he comes in and he's like, I'm gonna die if I don't get a bowl of soup. And his brother Jacob, guess what? He made soup. And he says, Jacob, I'll give you anything. I'll trade anything just to have this pleasure of getting some food in my belly. And so what he ended up trading is his birthright. And I thought, you know, I probably wouldn't do that. But don't we trade for less in our lives? Don't we trade holiness for less in our lives? And here's what it says, he traded it. And he says, you know, afterward, he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance, even though he begged with bitter tears. Here's what this is getting at. Whenever we don't walk out holiness, there will be some things that you miss that you'll never get back. We don't like to hear that, do we? We think, well, God's always a God of second chances. Yes, the Lord will always forgive you and take you back. But there's something in this season where you are right now that if you don't put it in your shoes and live it out every day, you will miss this season and you'll never get it back again. Our God can redeem time, amen to that. But I look back on my own life and my wandering for years on the Lord and my playing wishy-washy, trying to be holy and then living it up on the weekend, just trying my best to figure out how do I fully surrender? And you know what? I missed the season of my life. There are some young people in this house and you're taking advantage of the season that I missed. Praise the Lord. I wish I could go back and be like you, but you know what? I can't, so I'm cheering you on. 
And I want to continue to finish well like we talked about, but it's going to come when I say, God, I don't want to miss the season you have me in right now. I know it's hard work, but we're going to do it. Now, it skips on down a little bit, and it talks about the fact that Jesus, you remember back in the beginning, it says Jesus uh, is, is the way that God speaks to us. Now, he used to speak through prophets, and he spoke in other ways back in Hebrews chapter 1. This next section of scripture talks about now that we actually have a God that has come to us and allowed us to come to his presence. We don't have to go through a priest. We have access. And so then the exhortation is this in verse 25. He says, be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. So what does it look like to put that in your shoes every day? Here it is, sensitive listening. What do you mean by that, Joe? We have to turn down the white noise in our life. You know what I've learned about God? He whispers. And if you don't get to a place where you're still enough and quiet enough to hear from him, you'll miss him. We're going, God, why don't you speak to me, Lord? Lord, will you, will you just speak to me? You're speaking to other people around me. They talk about hearing from you, or God spoke this to me, or God impressed this on my heart. Why are you not hearing it? Well, here's the thing. Are we turning down the white noise of our life? White noise is noise all around us. You know, it's almost like ringing in your ears or static in your ears. And that's our lives, church. We have so much information coming our way all the time that we don't even like to sit and be quiet with ourselves, much less think about being with the Lord. You gotta find a place in your life where you can turn down the white noise low enough and long enough to hear God again. Find it. Hopefully it can become daily, but take the earbuds out, put the phone down and go, God, I just need to hear from you, Lord. I wanna be still enough just to get in your presence. Question, have you heard from God lately? Maybe the Lord's speaking to you right now, but think about what we're doing. We're putting everything else aside for a few minutes to focus on hearing from God and his word. Isn't it crazy that when we do that, we hear from the Lord. So we have to become sensitive listeners. Lord, I'm not just gonna hear you somewhere or hear a quick podcast or I'm gonna intentionally put it in my schedule. I gotta listen to God. That's when the word comes to life. That's when your soul feels the, the word of God impressed on you. You feel like the Lord's speaking to you. You feel encouragement from God or even conviction from the Lord. The writer goes on to say this. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, in the scripture right before this, he talks about how heaven will never go away, but the earth will. Everything we see now, this is a really uh, probably blunt way to say it, everything we see now is all gonna burn one day. If you read the book of Revelation, it is gonna come to an end one day. It's not something to be feared by the church. It's something to be aware of and in awe of, but it's not something to be feared. But he says the world's gonna be shaken till, it's nothing, till there's nothing left. But he says this, we're receiving a kingdom that is unshakable. Let us be thankful then and please God by worshiping him, how? With holy fear and awe. Can I tell you what it looks like to put your faith in your shoes, the anchor in your shoes every day? Here's the third one, reverent worship. Don't lose fear and awe of God. I I've, didn't have a hard time with this as a kid and if you grew up in a church in the South, you probably feel me like uh, the preacher put the fear of God in me every single week. You have one of those preachers? Say, somebody, you know what I'm talking about. Like, you got a little PTSD right now. You're like, yeah. And so, I mean, listen, I'm not saying I didn't need it. I'm not, I'm not knocking. I'm saying back in the day, there were some preachers that would lay the hammer down. And this guy probably needed a lot of it to hear it. But here's the thing. 
Nowadays, we know that God is our friend and we focused on his grace so much and the fact that I can call God my friend that we forget when we come to his presence and that presence of the spirit that lives within us, that is what spoke creation into existence. Out of the word of his mouth, he spoke everything we see and can't even know about in the universe to existence. With one breath from his lungs, after forming man from the dust of the ground, he breathed life into us. To this day, whenever someone surrenders, he breathes new life through the Holy Spirit into anyone who will put their faith in him. Isn't it crazy that we forget the awe and majesty of God? Do you know one of the things that I've done this year? I started for the first time this year. In my prayer journal, um, I have different pages for different prayers. I have you know people on different pages, and I pray through it. But this year, when I got a new journal, I started something different. I call it Majesty Prayers. My first page I call majesty prayers. Before I ask God to bless Courtney or my family, before I pray about the church, before I pray over the prayer needs that I see, I first pray prayers of thanksgiving for things God has done in my life. My majesty prayers. For instance, I was thinking about the fact that we pray, God multiply us as a church. And the Lord brought the great people to First Baptist Oakwood and said, we feel like it's of the Lord that we join forces. And guess what? In a few weeks, we're gonna multiply churches. I put that in the front of my journal. God, you can do anything. You can do things I can't imagine. There's many other you know, prayers that I prayed over time, a long time, and I'm like, God, work. God, work in my family. God, work in my friend's life. Lord, work in the people around me that are hurting. And then God answers the prayer. I put that in the front of my journal, and I go back to that first. You know why? Majesty and awe. I don't wanna come to God doubting that he can heal somebody. I don't wanna come to God doubting that he's gonna hear my prayers. I wanna remember what he's already done. And so we have to get to a place where we are reverent in our worship. If reverence in worship came back over this house, I'm telling you, if you realize who you were singing to and who you were lifting prayer to, who you were lifting hands to, it may just put us on our face before the Lord. That's what happened in scripture to people that came into his presence many times. Here's what he goes on to say. Now this is again, these are the exhortations from the scripture. He says this, Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. Now, here's an interesting statement. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Remember those who are being mistreated as if you felt it in your own bodies. Can I talk about that for a minute? Some who have done this have entertained angels. Could it be that in showing hospitality, God has actually sent somebody in your path that's a test from heaven. That's one way to interpret this scripture. That God may or may not send you a test. Now, God's not gonna ask you to be an idiot. God's not gonna ask you to put yourself in danger to help somebody. But usually, do you know what the test is? It's just, well, I make margin to help somebody else. That's usually what it is, because usually most of us have time to help other people, to show love to other people. We may even have a little extra to give when we see somebody in need. But you know why we don't? We don't make time. We don't make margin in our lives. And so he says that it's possible, though, that God may, maybe God sends you an angel and you don't even know it. But do you know another way to interpret this text? That whenever you see somebody in need and you minister to them and nobody else knows about it, guess who may be looking on? God's angels from heaven. 
I'm crazy because I think about the Bible in weird ways, but I just think about angels going, hey, Father, did you see what just happened right there? Do you see what your kids are doing? Did you see how generous he was? And nobody's ever gonna know it. Nobody until we get to heaven is gonna know what he did, but Lord, we know. How cool would that be? The angels are looking on. When we do good things, heaven could be celebrating because the angels are watching with the Lord as we do. Can I tell you what the exhortation here is, though? It's not just about angels. Here's the exhortation. You have to have intentional effort. And here's the, the subline here. Don't let success derail you. And I'm gonna explain that in just a moment. He says, keep on loving. Why? Because after a while, life has the way of beating the love out of people. It just does. There's some people in this room today. I know there's a lot of law enforcement here, and I've heard many of your stories. You see the worst of the worst of people. You see kids abused. You see things that you can never get out of your head. You see things that keep you up at night. And you know what will happen if you're not careful, even as a child of God? You'll let the love grow cold in you. It'll get beat out of you. And I, and I watch my friends. I have a lot of friends who serve this community in law enforcement or in social work. That's another way you see it. We have social workers here in the church. We have employees or family for families here that go to church here. And listen, you see things that break you and they beat you down. But you know, it's not just those people. Everybody is tempted to give up on an intentional effort of love. You know why? Because you can lose somebody and God won't tell you why. Somebody gets cancer and you're like, Lord, it doesn't make, that's not fair, God. And we give him all, and, and, and all of a sudden our love grows cold because we've been hurt. I'm not saying I, I'm not the same way as you. I'm just saying here, the exhortation is keep being intentional, but also show hospitality to strangers. You never know. You gotta be intentional. You gotta be ready. You gotta have a little bit of margin in your life in order to show hospitality to other people. But here's why I say be careful not to let success derail you and what I think the intentional effort is. In our nation and in our area, especially North Georgia, we're very blessed. I'm not saying there's not needs. We all go through the mountains and valleys, but we're very blessed. And he says this, remember those in prison. If you don't have a friend or family member in prison, or if you're not there yourself, guess what? It's really easy to forget. He didn't say that they shouldn't be there. He didn't say that if they've done something or guilty of a crime, that crime they should get out. What does he say? Remember those in prison as if you were there. Jesus is all about remembering the forgotten. Remembering those who have no one else and no other hope. Why? You know what I found? People who do find themselves in a place where they're locked up, sometimes there's an openness of heart to Christ that there never is before. What if nobody goes and shows them that love? I got convicted when I read this. It's so easy to forget people that we'll never cross paths with, but the Bible doesn't give us a pass. And also, he says this, remember people that are mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own body. I think that really does describe the, the, the people of Riverbend as we, through Project Hope, love people of our community. Because there's a lot of you that are doing just fine, and yet you've chosen to go out of your way to feel other people's pain and be a part of it. Riverbend, thank you. I'm honored to pastor a church who has that heart for a community because there are a lot of hurting people in this community. But the reason I say be careful to not let success derail us, when we get comfortable, we forget about people who are hurting. When you're hurting, it's really easy to love people who are hurting when you're in the midst of it. 
But when our prayers are answered and the healing comes and the money's not hard at that moment, we so easily forget where we just were. We forget people that are struggling. And here's the exhortation, be intentional. In your good times and in your mountaintops, remember there's somebody else in the valley who may need a, hope, a word of hope from you, who may need some of what you have to share in that moment. And if you're in the valley, you're gonna have to humble yourself and let somebody else love you. That's what the church is about. Coming alongside people when we're hurting but success has a way of derailing our lives. You know what I've learned? Success is more of a test for Jesus followers than failure ever has been. We don't need God in our moments of success. When we're failing and when it's hard and when there's a diagnosis we don't like or when we can't pay the bills, then prayer becomes easier. But here's what the writer was getting at. Be intentional to remember those that have forgotten. Be intentional even in your times of success when you're not in the hard place. Be sure that you're still the church, that you still love people. Here's what I tell myself, Joe. Anytime you are blessed, you are blessed to bless and not to flex. You need a quote. There you go. All of your blessings, church, if God has blessed you, praise the Lord. When the Lord blesses you financially, when he blesses you with health, when he blesses your family, listen, you are blessed to bless others, not to flex on people. See, remember when you were seeking the Lord in the valley, but then things got better? I thought, God, maybe we just need to go back to the valley. I mean, we don't want to live in the valley because it's hard there, the hard, the, the hard places of life, but maybe we need to go back and say, Lord, I need you. Here's what he says next. Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. So he brings up marriage here as an exhortation for holy living. He says, God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. So it's almost like we know there's grace of God, but here he's going, but there's also accountability for God's people. We have to take holiness seriously. He says in the same paragraph here, he says this, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you had for God said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. And so honor one another in marriage. Did you know that that is a choice? I'm not saying that there's not certain situations. I'll make it clear. I'm not saying that there's not abusive situations. And you may even have something in your past where you just weren't living like this yet and it didn't work out. I'm not here to shame today. That's not what I'm doing. That's not what the Lord wants to do. But he wants you to start right near where you are and finish well. And so if you're in a marriage right now, Everything inside of you, remember what we said earlier, live at peace with everyone, but also here he says, honor, honor your marriage. Be honoring to your marriage. Don't fall into immorality. Don't let something else take you away from that one relationship. Did you know that marriage is the only thing in the Bible that's compared to the picture of how Jesus loves the church? You don't have to be married, but if you are, here's the thing. He says, if you're gonna be married, honor marriage. Anchored shoes will impact that person that lives in your house. Hey, if I were to ask your wife, guys, how you're doing today in living out your faith anchor, could she be honest? You'd go, no, she loves me so much that she would lie straight to your face. <laughs> That's good. I'm glad she loves you, and I wouldn't be mad about that. But you got to sleep with that, though. You got to live with that. You got to think on that yourself. Do you know what it means to put that in your shoes? Here it is willful contentment. And here's a statement I learned a long time ago. When you want what you have, you'll have what you want. Willful contentment. He says, honor marriage, but also don't love money. Love Jesus. Love helping people. Love what money can do through you. 
But don't fall in love with money because it'll take you off of your purpose. Dream big. Chase the dream for the kingdom, but choose to be content with what God has given you. Sometimes there are needs that are not being met. And here's what I have to go back to. He says that God will not leave you or abandon you. He's gonna give you what you stand in need of. We as God's people have to trust in that and put our faith in that. If you're up against a wall right now going, I don't know how it's gonna happen, put your trust in the Lord. See what God will do. See the story he wants to write. But here's the thing. Choose to want what you have right now and you'll always have what you want. That's not trying to be smart aleck. I'm literally saying we are taught from birth to want more, 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 more. And the scripture says, once you get to a place, I mean, this is really the teaching. Once you get to a place where you've got your basic needs met, at that point, choose contentment so that you can actually love people, love Jesus. Here's the last part we'll look at today. One of the most famous verses in Hebrews here, Hebrews 13, 8, it says this. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know what that means? He never changes. From creation to right now, Jesus our Lord has been the same. His character, his love for people, it has never changed. And so then he goes right after that, a few verses, it says this. So Jesus is forever. He never changes. But this, in verse 14, but the world is not our permanent home. We're looking forward to a home yet to come. You know, do you know what it's getting at here? Jesus is forever, but the world is not. And so what do we have to do? If we wanna wake up every day and put our anchor in our shoes, here it is. We have to have constant awareness that Jesus is forever and the world is temporary. Jesus is forever, the world is temporary. Can I ask you a question? Last week, we, we talked about this. We said, who wants to finish well? I don't know what the last, the last chapter of your story has been like. Maybe it's been great. But maybe you're sitting here today and you're going, Joe, if I was really honest with you, I'd have to tell you that my last chapter, I'm not real proud of it. Or at least I can do better. Here's how you can do better. It starts with an anchored soul, but it also, this choice to live a holy life, I'm gonna put it in my shoes, God. I want people to actually see that there's a struggle in me and some change in me and a difference in me as we get ready to go back to school. Stay aware that people need hope. That's what it looks like to put your anchor in your shoes every single day. Stick it in there. I saw a few of you guys, you ordered a little anchors and you've used it through this series as a reminder. Maybe it'd be great to put it in the shoes you're gonna wear the next day. So when you slip your foot in there and you know you, you hit the bottom, you may say something you have to repent for when you first do it. But then after you get that out, you'll remember, Jesus, I need to live an anchored life today in you. See, last week we said you want to finish well. Well, it starts with putting all you have learned in your shoes and living it out. Let me close with a question today. Can I ask you a question today? It's this, is your anchor in your shoes? I think there are a lot of people at some point in time, you come to that place in life where you said, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. And we begin by faith to hold on to the promises of God that, that he's gonna take us to heaven forever, that he's gonna be with us and never leave us and never forsake us, that God has greater things waiting for us, that even right now in this life, he's working all things together for our good. There's so many promises and we hold on to it. But over time, sometimes we lose our grip. And I think what the writer of Hebrews wants us to get today is you've got to decide every day, put your faith in your shoes. Let your foundation be firm. So every single day when you get up 
and you put your shoes on, I wish I could give all of us an anchor just to lay beside your shoes every morning to think, Jesus, today my soul is anchored in you. I spent my prayer time with you. I've been in the word. God, I got my soul anchored, but Lord, I don't want it to stop just in my prayer closet. As I put my shoes on today and as I walk out of my house today, God, I want to have anchored shoes. Here's another way to think about that. Is holiness showing up in your life? so many exhortations in the scripture here, but do you know what it all boils down to? You have to respond with your feet. The gospel is not something we respond only in our mind or our heart to. It has to make it to our feet to even know, for there to be evidence if it's real. And so if you're watching today, can I ask you a question? Has your faith ever made it to your feet? Have you ever truly like uh, received Jesus Christ as Lord, but then also got up and said, and God, I also wanna live the life you have for me. I don't know where you are on that journey, but if you're beaten down today and you feel like life is just beating you up and I mean, you hear messages like this and maybe even as you hear the message, you feel more beat up. Listen, that may be the enemy trying to shame you because God wouldn't do that. But here's what it is. If, if the Lord is convicting your heart, he's drawing you to repentance. He's drawing you back. So maybe a decision needs to be made in your life today. Like, Jesus, I'm, I'm ready to put my shoes on again and start living for you again. I'm ready to let that anchor that I claim I have in my soul, and maybe you even have a verse on your wall or you, you read it on your phone. I'm ready for it to get into my shoes. Because see, not only will it bless your life, but as your shoes get anchored, you'll start to live out the love of God in your neighborhood, in your school. You'll start to live it out all over Uh, in your workplace, everywhere you go, and people will see that in your life. And so here's the decision today. Do you need to just say, Jesus, I need to get anchored in you. I need to come back to that place. Maybe you've never surrendered your life to Christ today, or maybe you have and life's just beating you up and you're ready to put it in your shoes. Here's the prayer. Pray this from your heart to the heart of God. Just say this, Jesus, I'm ready for my faith to become real today. I surrender to you as my Lord and I'm ready to follow you, God. Will you help me as I put my shoes on every day this week to be reminded that you're the anchor for my soul and therefore I wanna live it out. I wanna love people. I wanna live a holy life this week, Lord. And then just tell him this. Say, God, when I struggle and if I fall, I'm gonna get back up again and keep following you. And just tell him, thank you. Thank you for a second chance. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you've prayed that prayer from your heart to the heart of God today, then now there's only one thing left. Put it in your shoes. Maybe you just surrendered your life to Christ for the first time. Will you let us know? There's that party going on in heaven right now. If you did that, we just want to celebrate with you. I want to celebrate with you. Let us know that you did that today. Reach out. Send us a message. Shoot me an email. We'd love to know that right now. You remember this. You matter. And as you surrender to the Lord, He is with you as you live it out this week. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Riverbend Church Podcast. To learn more about who we are as a church and how to connect, you can head over to our website, riverbendchurch.life.